Hello and welcome to episode four of Luther's Catechism Podcast, brought to you by The Way Church. I'm Pastor Matt Rothy. Luther's Catechism Podcast takes you, the listener, through Luther's small catechism in order to educate, encourage, and equip you in your Christian faith and for all your callings in life. Welcome to episode four. This episode is entitled The Ten Commandments. And in many ways, this episode is going to be a preview of what is to come, an overview of the Ten Commandments as we today explore the reason for God giving his law or the Ten Commandments to us. We'll study how it affects us and our relationship with God. And so while this is a preview and an overview of what's to come, It's also a good summary of what we've looked at so far in studying God's law and God's word that he gives us. If you're following along in your own Luther's Catechism book, we are on page 40. If you do not have a copy of this edition, you can purchase yours at the following web address, online.nph.net. Now, one note before we begin this episode, and that is this, that when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses on Mount Sinai, he did not assign numbers to the individual commandments. Luther chose to keep the numbering used by the ancient church and the church of his day. Others in other church bodies have numbered the commandments in a different way, keeping the number at 10, but changing the way they are numbered. So that's just a note for you, depending on where you are maybe reading your Ten Commandments or following along. All right. The Ten Commandments, as we've noted, they are a summary of God's will for us in our lives. Now, many people think the commandments are an outdated set of rules and they they hinder us. They box us in, take away our freedom to do the things we want and should have the right to do. But here's our hope for this study. That as we study the commandments, we see more clearly that God has given us the commandments to bless us. The commandments remain important today in our lives, and we have every reason to want to learn what they mean, and we have every reason, most of all, to obey them as we give glory to God. Our first question is question 20, and we need to back up. We need to understand why the Ten Commandments are blessing us. And so we need to back up and go all the way back to the beginning to understand the condition of our relationship to God. We'll go back to the beginning of our birth, but also the beginning of God's creation as well. Question 20 says, at birth, what is wrong in our natural relationship to God? Well, here's what we know. We know that we were sinful from birth, sinful from the time our mothers conceived us. Psalm 51 tells us that. Why is it true that we are born into sin? Well, Romans 5 tells us that sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So what God himself, Christ Jesus tells us in John chapter 3, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. What Romans 5 is talking about in the fact that sin entered the world through one man is that Adam and Eve sinned, and they did so when they chose to disobey God. Their sin brought about the guilt along with so many other consequences, including death. 
as we read in John chapter 3, verse 6, flesh gives birth to flesh. And because of that, all their descendants ever since then have been born with sin and therefore guilty and subject to death. Psalm 51, which we read, makes it very clear that at the moment of our conception, before we were even born, while we were still in our mother's wombs, we became guilty of sin. The consequence of sin was devastating. It was for Adam and Eve, and we inherit the consequences from them by birth. What are those results? Well, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now that passage is is rather heavy, that we were absolutely dead spiritually in our sins. And our nature made us deserving of not just wrath in general, but the wrath from our almighty God and creator. Romans 8 tells us that the mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. That's profound. That not only are we hostile to God's ways, but our minds, our our nature, it can't even follow God's law if we wanted to. It, It can't do it. Matthew 15, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And here's the result of those sins. Isaiah 59, your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Because of the guilt that comes to us from our forefather, Adam, and so thoroughly corrupts our nature, we often refer to our natural sinful condition as our old Adam or our sinful nature or inherited sin or original sin. This sinful nature puts us under God's judgment, makes us enemies of God. It leads us to sin in thought, word, and deed, and those sins separate us from God. Now, you hear all this and you think, wow, this is, this is terrible, but how does this description of sin apply to us? Well, Scripture tells us, Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5, two chapters later, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Now we read that and we think that is, that is terrible. And, and who, who would want that to apply to us? We might try to deny that. But again, God's word speaks. First John chapter one, verse eight. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's what God's word has to say about, about our sin, our relationship to God, and how it applies to even us. How do we come to this realization? Well, this is a passage we meditated on in our last episode. Romans 3 tells us, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. Some people, they might try to avoid things in life. Maybe it's a medical test because they fear the results. But the truth is a medical test can be good and uncover a disease that without treatment could could kill us. In the same way, that's what God's law does. His commandments, what they do for us, they uncover the truth about us. Our evil thoughts, our evil words, our evil deeds, all of the sinful nature in us that springs from our old Adam. And if left alone, it would. It would earn death for us. But we began this lesson by talking about how this law is actually a blessing to us. 
And that's what we're starting to get into right now. Now, God's law shows us that by ourselves, we are lost because of our sin. It it shows us that we are unable to save ourselves and that we need a savior. The good news is, is this, God's law is a blessing because it prepares our hearts so that we are ready to hear God's wonderful promise. Question 24 says, why is the work of the law a blessing as it uncovers our sins? Well, here's the truth. First John 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Listen to that promise. If and when we do confess our sins, our God is always faithful and he promises to forgive our sins and purify us. Now, question 25, who alone can keep God's law? Well, we know it's no one. Romans 3 again says, all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. There's no person who does that. But here's the good news that Hebrews 4 proclaims that we have one who, who has been tempered in every way, but he didn't sin. He is the son of God. Hebrews 4 says this, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. What a blessing that is, that there is one person and one person alone who has kept God's law. It is the God-man, Christ Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Man, and he did it for us. Question 26, why is this so important that Jesus keeps the law for us? Well, here's the truth. Galatians 4, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law that we might receive adoption to sonship. What does it mean that God was born under law? Well, all of the commandments are laws that govern us, conf- con- govern us how to live our lives, also convict us and, and show us our sin. Christ Jesus was born as a man, born under law. He was subject to the same laws. And yet, as we just read, he kept everyone perfect. And he did it in order to redeem those under law. What does it mean to redeem? It means to pay a ransom, to buy back, to pay the price required to free someone from slavery or captivity. And Jesus did that with his precious life. 2 Corinthians 5 tells us this way. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm going to read that again to let it sink in. God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That passage declares or tells us the truth about a great exchange that took place. On Jesus, God put all of our sins. On us, who were full of sin, God took Jesus' righteousness and gave that to us. You might also hear this in church language called as a vicarious atonement. What does that mean? Well, vicarious means taking the place of another. It's a substitution. Christ was our substitute. What does atonement mean? It means at one mint, if you want to think of it that way, or establishing peace between God and us by removing the sin 
through Christ's perfect life and death. That's what Jesus did. He kept God's law perfect in our place as our substitute. He also died as our substitute to pay for the guilt of our sins. This is Christ's vicarious atonement. Now, how has the result of Jesus' life and death turned our lives in a completely new direction? This is question 27. Romans chapter 5, Ephesians, and other passages of the New Testament are just beautiful passages that, that show the result of what Christ has done for us. I'm going to read these passages continually to you, one after another. And as I do, I want you to just listen and enjoy the wonderful good news that has been brought about by what Christ did for us. Romans 5. If by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in the life through that one man, Jesus Christ? Ephesians 1 verse 7. In Christ. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 2. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sins. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. One more passage, Ephesians chapter 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Once we were controlled by our sinful nature, we were, as Ephesians told us, dead in sin, enemies of God. But then... When we came to faith, a new person came to life within each of us with a new attitude towards sin and righteousness. We often refer to this new person as the new self or the spiritual person or being. Though the new self has come to life within us, here's a struggle in the life of Christians. That old Adam, that sinful nature is still there. It's alive within us too. We just need to acknowledge that and ask the question. Question 28, what is the result of having both the old Adam and new self within us at the very same time? Galatians 5 verse 17, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. Romans 7 draws out the apostle Paul's transparent, honest, confession of what it's like living with the old Adam and our new self alive in us. This is Romans 7. I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, 
This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. Here's the truth of of having both our old Adam and our sinful nature in us, and at the very same time, having the gift of the Holy Spirit, having a new attitude towards God's righteousness and laws, that there is a struggle. There is a daily struggle with our old Adam and our new self. And this is a constant tension that Christians live with this side of eternity, but we don't spare. We do not despair when our sinful nature and sinful self get the better of us, but instead we we go back to the grace of God and remember that it is in him we have redemption through his blood. It is the truth we remember that even while we were dead in our sin, God, rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. And if anyone is in Christ, and we are, the new creation has come. Let that be a comfort to you as we as we struggle in truth be told, so often give into the old Adam and fall into sin. Remember God's promise of forgiveness in Jesus, which strengthens the new self to to continue on living for him. Question 29 asks, how does the new self within us respond to that gift of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus has earned for us? Hear these words. Romans 12. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. How do we respond? How do we respond to the forgiveness we give? Our new self offers our entire life, body, soul, and spirit as a living sacrifice to God. 2 Corinthians 5. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. We note what the good news of the gospel does for us is it moves us. It compels us to live for Christ. It is not fear of the threats of the law. It is not the wrath and the anger of God that compels us to follow Christ's commands. Rather, it's the new self within us responding to Christ's love. It is only Christ's love that compels us to live no longer for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. Now, we mentioned this at the beginning, that, that some people do. They, they believe that the commandments and the rules, they take all the fun out of life. In Genesis 3, we see how Satan actually showed the opposite. We see how Satan deceived Eve into thinking that disobeying God would bring happiness. But the results of Adam and Eve's disobedience were misery, not happiness, slavery to sin, not freedom, and ultimately death. These things are always the result of sin. Obedience to God's commands, however, do bring blessings. What are the blessings that are brought about in our lives as we obey his laws? Listen to Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. 
By them your servant is warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Yes, it is true that God's laws do warn us. They warn us of all the danger and and the, the really sad things, the consequences of sin that are brought about when we disobey God misery, slavery to sin, and ultimately death. And yet listen to these blessings that God gives us, that he rewards us with. When we do follow his perfect law, he refreshes our soul. He makes us wise. He gives us joy. He gives light to our eyes. He gives us energy and enthusiasm to live for his glory. Our final question, 31, directs us to Psalm 119. Why is God's law the Ten Commandments, a blessing for us as we wish to show our gratitude to God for saving us. Psalm 19 says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. It is all of God's word that that lights our way and shows us how to live. And that includes God's word to us in the Ten Commandments. We close with our connection section, noting that that sometimes unpleasant experiences are, are actually a blessing. Even pain can be a good thing. Pain can be the signal that tells us that something serious is happening inside of us so that we get the help we need from a doctor. Pain can cause us to pull away from something that is hot and could burn us and do permanent damage to us. God might also use pain. God might use pain to lead us to his word for hope and comfort. The result is a stronger faith. The experience of looking at God's law It can be painful. God's law shows us that we fall short as he wants us to be perfect. It reveals the painful truth that we are sinners who deserve God's everlasting punishment. As unpleasant and painful it is to hear those truths, to hear how how we can't even follow God's law if we wanted to, that, that we're dead spiritually without Christ. It's also a blessing. It's a blessing because what God's word and his laws do is that they show us we need a savior. God shows us our sin and what we deserve because of our sin, but then he graciously points us to the forgiveness we have in our savior. For those of you studying this at home with friends or family, I want to encourage you to read through God's Old Testament book of Jonah. What you will see as you read through God's word in Jonah is how God brought the city of Nineveh to repentance. He used the words of his prophet. I want you to discuss with one another, how has God shown you his sin through his word, through his law, through the 10 commandments? But how has he also assured you of his love? What Bible passages or truths are most comforting to you? We close by reading a quote from Martin Luther as we consider the law. Luther said this, if the law accuses me of not having done this or that, or being unjust and a sinner in God's record, I must confess that all these, all these charges are true to be sure. According to the law, which computes my guilt, I am poor, damned sinner. However, I appeal from the law to the gospel. For in addition to the law, God has given us another message called the gospel. This bestows on us his grace, the forgiveness of sins, eternal righteousness, and life. End quote. That's a good note to end on as we consider the wonderful and the blessed purposeness of God's law. It tells us what we read in Ephesians 2. 
As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. We were, by nature, deserving of wrath. It tells us that. That is what God's law tells us. But it prepares our hearts to hear the wonderful good news that we also hear in Ephesians 2, verse 4. But because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Friends, Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Luther's Catechism Podcast. I pray you have found this episode educational, encouraging, and it has equipped you in your Christian faith and for all your callings in life. The Lord bless you and keep you until we have the opportunity to join together again in the study of Christian doctrine here on Luther's Catechism Podcast. Mm